adventure. Now, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable thing. You're late for dinner. that I should have lived to be good morning by Belladonna Took's son, as if I were selling buttons at the door. Beg your pardon? You've changed. I'm not entirely for the better, Bilbo Beckins. I'm sorry, do I know you? Well, you know my name, although you don't remember I belong to it. I'm Gandalf. And Gandalf means... Me. Not Gandalf, the wandering wizard who made such... Excellent fireworks. Oh, used to have them on Midsummer's Eve. <laughs> no idea he was still in business. And where else should I be? <laughs> well, I'm pleased to find you remember something about me. Even if it's only my fireworks. Well, that's decided. It will be very good for you. Most amusing for me. I shall inform the others. Inform the who? What? No, no. No, wait. We do not want any adventures here. Thank you. Not today. <laughs> not, I suggest you try over the hill or across the water. Good morning. Well, good morning, guys. You know, I fear too many men are like Bilbo Baggins, unwilling to engage with the adventure that God has for you, what he has prescribed, wanting to play it safe and not risk. If you listen, if you watch The Hobbit, you know Bilbo is reluctant to start any kind of adventure. He wants everything to be the same. And so as we begin this second semester of our time together, I want to begin with a reminder that every man in this room, every man in this room was made to experience the great adventure. In fact, at the end of last semester, we examined a great adventurer, didn't we? Do you remember who it was? Caleb from the Old Testament. Remember him? Caleb had a great first half of his life, and he also had a great second half of his life. You remember Caleb? He said at 85 years of age, he still had this fire in his gut. I mean, this enthusiasm about life because he knew who he was, he knew who his God was, and he knew the adventure that he was meant to fulfill in life. And so we looked at the life of, of Caleb, and we discovered that this adventure that we've been talking about is not just for young men. In fact, it's actually a quest that should carry a man throughout his entire life. So every man was built to experience an adventure in life. And we looked at those adventures last semester. Uh, secondly, last semester we saw that even though every man was meant to live an adventure, it's easy to lose sight of that adventure. It's easy to lose perspective in the process. In fact, some of you guys are old enough to remember that John Cougar Mellencamp song about Jack and Diane. You have to go back a couple decades. It really is a characteristic of most men's lives. In fact, I want you to listen to the lyrics. 
And I really want to emphasize that because a small group time in our breakout sessions, I think they're critical to processing what we're going through. And especially this semester, as you begin to digest the Servants by Design inventory that Kip was telling you about that you need to take. You need other men in your life that can help you digest that and with whom you can talk about the inventory and process the things that I've been saying up here. And it will bring clarity, I promise. The thirdly, I promised you would learn to focus your life on using the life focus chart. Remember, we call that chart sacred ground. You remember what it looked like? You can bring it up on the screen. should be the next and we began, you began a process of filling this out, and we called it sacred ground. And as you fill that out, that chart starts to become like a compass in your life. We called it a life compass. And remember, it said, before I die, I want to, I want to be some things. I want to do some things. I want to have certain things. I want to help certain people. I want to leave certain things. I want to enjoy certain things. And as you begin to flesh that out, that becomes, begins to clarify some direction for you and what is in your heart, and it's all related to your unique design. So as we begin to digest uh, the Servants by Design inventory, we're going to come back to this chart, and you're going to refine and adjust some of the things that you've put down there as a way of refocusing your life. And some of you have asked, is there an electronic version of this? And you can pull that off the web. You go to the website where you normally listen to the audio version of these sessions. And if you look at January 1st, 2015, you'll see um, Sacred Ground Chart. You can pull it off there as a PDF. And some of you wanted to, to get it that way. Okay, fourth, you'll have an opportunity to choose your future. And now you remember in session six, we talked about the adventurous sacred oath. Do you remember that oath? I will fervently live my life according to my design with my end in mind. Now, that's something we choose to do. So you could say, I will choose to fervently live my life according to my design with the end in mind. And, and we talked about that. We talked even about heaven and eternity. We talked about our beliefs about life and death. And uh, I, I encourage you to choose life uh, by what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he will continue to do for you in the future. And now those are several promises I made that I felt like I delivered on uh, the first semester. But there are two things that I haven't delivered on that hopefully you'll have under your belt as you walk away in March as we finish up. Now, I want to cover those. The first is you will gain a better understanding of your unique design and what makes you come alive. Now, that's the Servants by Design inventory uh, that Kit was talking about that you were supposed to take during Christmas break. And some of you did. I've heard from some of you. Some of you forgot about it. It's not too late. You can go online and take that. And what that's going to do is set a context for the information that you're going to be receiving because you're going to get feedback about yourself as we interpret uh, that inventory. And I want you to know this semester is not about that inventory. It's not about a product. It's not about a tool. It's really about a process, a process that you're going to enter in of discovering more clearly, the adventure God has for each one of you. 
and your small group's going to be important in processing that because they're going to provide you with greater understanding and clarity as they give you feedback on your profile and you listen to them talk about their profiles. That, that's why the small group breakout is so critical and important. So when you finish, we finish in nine weeks, hopefully you'll have a whole lot more clarity on who you are and the kinds of things you are designed to accomplish by God in your life. And then secondly, this semester, the last promise is you'll have the opportunity to develop a personal mission statement, a personal mission statement. In other words, later on this semester, uh, we're going to have a little project. I'm going to guide you through how to write a personal mission statement, and I'll be sharing with you my personal mission statement. Now, I realize maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about writing a personal mission statement. And I want you to know I'm going to lead you through it. It's a simple process, but it can have a profound impact on your life. And as you enter that process, I don't want you to be tense thinking you've got to get it perfect. I want you to relax. I've refined mine a dozen times over the years, and every time I refine my personal mission statement, I begin to see things with more clarity. And as I get more clarity, I begin to become more energized about what I've got ahead of me to do in life. And I become more alive about life. So we're going to spend some time um, writing that personal mission statement. And you're going to find it's fun. And it's going to come out of the Servants by Design inventory that you're, you're going to fill out. And we're going to have a great time doing it. So with the remainder of our time, here's what I'd like to do. I want to explain to you the core concept behind Servants by Design, and then I want to share with you four practical benefits that will be coming your way as you begin to understand who you are with greater clarity. So let's dig in. You guys remember the movie Chariots of Fire? That's an old one. That came out several decades ago in the late 80s. It was a profound movie at the time. It was a story of Harold Abrams and uh, Eric uh, Little who competed against each other all the way through to the uh, 1924 Olympics. Now, both were fantastic runners. Both were great athletes. Both were well-disciplined and well-trained. They shared so many common attributes. They were very much alike except one area they were polar opposite in. And that's what motivated them to run. Harold Abrams had never run for anybody other than himself. But Eric Little had a different motivation for running. He had a greater perspective that gave him insight into his running and insight into life. He saw the skills that he had, particularly in running, as something that was uniquely gifted to him by God. In fact, I want you to watch this video clip for a second. Old Ricky. It's hard to leave it. I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted. Oh, <laughs> oh so I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny, 
got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To get it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Jenny. Jenny. I've got my degree to get. All that work. And then there's Paris. Olympic Games. It's just not enough for me. I'm asking you to manage the mission on your own. Till then. Will you do that for me, Jenny? Did you hear it? Hear what Little said? I believe God has made me for a purpose. For China. But he's also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's a man who understood the great adventure that God has for him. And when a man understands the great adventure and begins living it, he begins to feel God's pleasure in his life. Now, unlike little, I don't feel God's pleasure when I run. I feel a lot of pain when I run. But when I bring clarity or direction to someone or to a situation, I do begin feeling God's pleasure. When I feel like I'm influencing someone or an organization to accomplish something that they didn't think they could or maybe something they never perceived as possible, I do begin to feel God's pleasure in my life. So I wonder how you would fill in the blank. When I blank... I feel God's pleasure. What would you put in that blank? Now, Peter Drucker, who is the, really the father of modern leadership, says most of us can't fill in that blank. We don't know what to put in there. He says this, most Americans do not know their own strengths, what their own strengths are. When you ask them, they look at you with a blank stare or they respond in terms of subject knowledge, which is the wrong answer. You see, most people, uh, most Americans will answer that question by putting in the blank, well, it's investing, or it's, it's computing, or it's pastoring, or it's doctoring, or it's accounting, or it's selling. But that's, they're really talking about the subject of the issue. It's a category mistake. What we're asking is what do you bring to bear when you're selling, when you're computing, when you're doctoring, when you're pastoring? What are those core assets that are there in your natural design? And by the end of the semester, I'm hoping you'll be able to fill in that blank because you'll know who you are, that when I do whatever it is, I feel God's pleasure, and you'll be able to fill that in clearly. Now, uh, that answer that goes in the blank will really reflect two things. It will reflect, first of all, your God-given design, and secondly, it will reflect your core strengths. And that's, those core strengths, uh, those core competencies are really going to be the thread that will run through the things we'll be talking about this semester. So now I want you to listen to this carefully. Every person 
has been uniquely crafted and gifted by God to perform meaningful tasks of service to him and to others. Every person, there's no exception, every person has been uniquely crafted and gifted by God to perform meaningful tasks of service to him and to others. And one of the things you'll begin to discover throughout this semester is how relevant the Bible is at speaking to those kinds of things, how it speaks to design-related issues and life purpose subjects. In fact, I think at times, as you process the material, you're going to feel a sense of being overwhelmed at the unique handiwork and intentionality God has focused on your life in the way that he has uniquely gifted you. And we're going to start down that path next week, and we're going to have fun doing it. But until we do, I want to give you um, four practical benefits that I think you'll experience through the material that we're going to process through Servants by Design. Four benefits. I think this semester, number one, you'll gain a deeper appreciation for your special God-given gifts and abilities. I find that most men have never given themselves permission to get excited about their unique design. Uh, Most men have never been given permission to embrace what they're good at. I mean, most men have never been given the opportunity uh, to simply uh, analyze how they're uniquely gifted and what they have been designed to uniquely do themselves. And they've never been given that opportunity Uh, to think about that in an objective way. And so for most men, talking about this information is going to be a significant paradigm shift in your thinking. But you need to know that's exactly what God has done. He has gifted you to accomplish something specific. In fact, in the first century, Paul wrote a letter to when he was in prison to a church in the city of Ephesus uh, that focused on this very thing. Here's what he said. For we, talking about you and me, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, do you see the core concept in that verse? We are his workmanship. That that word workmanship conveys rather clumsily the meaning of the Greek word. You know, the New Testament was written in Greek in the original language the New Testament was written in. That Greek word was poema. It's where we get our English word poem. Do you see what God is saying here? He's saying you are a work of art, like a poem. You are God's work of art. You have been uniquely crafted and gifted. He says you are his workmanship. You've been sculpted by God, handcrafted to accomplish something significant, something designed specifically with you in mind. I mean, as you look at that verse, can you see the intentionality that's there? Uh, He says, which he prepared beforehand, meaning he thought it through before you were even born, that you might walk in them. In other words, we are to live out how God has designed us. And when you do, you begin experiencing the great adventure. Have you ever had a lack of appreciation for the way God had created you? I know I have. Uh, that's called design dissatisfaction. I remember in the in the eighth grade playing basketball. I loved basketball in the eighth grade, uh, and, and I was pretty good at it. B- but I began to recognize the guys who were great at it were always taller than me. 
They could block more shots. They could rebound better. I mean, they were better in everything in the game, and they were all taller than me. And I can remember thinking, if I could only be taller. And I remember looking at Will Godwin. In the eighth grade, he was 6'3". If I could be 6'3", then I could really play basketball. That's design dissatisfaction. You know, that's exactly what Moses felt when God uh, called him uh, to a great adventure of leading Israel out of slavery in Egypt. I mean, if, if you've read the Exodus in the Old Testament, you remember uh, how Moses responded to the adventure God laid before him. I mean, Moses said this, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Maybe you would have responded the same way. And so God tells him, he encourages him by telling him, I'm going to be with you through the whole process. But then Moses hesitates. He says, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name, and what shall I say to them? And so God said, Okay, Moses, I'll tell you my name. Tell them I am has sent you. But Moses hesitates again. And then he says, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, uh, neither recently nor in past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In other words, I can't live this adventure you're getting ready to lay out in front of me. Moses had designed a satisfaction. But if you read the rest of Exodus, you discover God helps him. I mean, God sends him Aaron to, do the, to be the spokesman for the group. But as you read the rest of Exodus, you discover Aaron hardly says a word. Moses ends up doing most of the talking. You see, God knew what he had designed in Moses and wanted to call it out of him, even though Moses had no idea he had designed a satisfaction in that process. Now, designed a satisfaction comes when uh, God is asking you or prodding you to do something and you don't feel like you measure up. You've, you don't feel like you've got much to offer. And, and maybe uh, you have said to yourself on occasion, man, I wish I had so-and-so's abilities. Or I, I wish I had that guy's ability to speak. Or, or that fellow's uh, confidence as he goes into a room of executives. You've had design dissatisfaction. It comes when you begin comparing yourself to other people. Or maybe you're a guy that works behind the scenes. And what you do, you've got great capabilities. You have a support role. And the company would go under without your role. You're significant to bringing strengths to that area. But you start comparing yourself to the guy who stands up front. And you're working behind the scenes. And he's getting all the credit. And you think, I need to be more like him. That's designed to satisfaction. I want you, now listen to me. Psalm 139 says, God has fearfully and wonderfully made each one of us. Every person is important and needed in order to accomplish what he desires, especially in your life. And to resist uh, that is to fall into a trap. It's a comparison trap. Because God has uniquely gifted you. Remember last uh, semester we talked about the reactive way of life and how that's not healthy? I mean, what comparison does is it promotes uniformity. It promotes sameness. 
not uniqueness. Uh, and that's polar opposite of what God's intention, and it's in the opposite direction of what we're, where we're going this semester. I mean, taking an inventory called your unique design, because you're uniquely crafted. And so we need to move through life not in a reactive way, comparing ourselves to others, but in a proactive way, understanding what God has done in us and how he wants to uniquely use that. And when you're able to do that, you begin to envision life and enjoy what God has for you because you've laid aside the reactive way of life. Most men respond reactively. You might write down this principle. To reject your design in any way is to reject the designer and his special purposes for your life. To reject your unique design, the way God has crafted you, in any way is to reject the designer and his special purposes for your life. To reject your design says more about your view of your God than it does about the weaknesses you see in your life. But he has uniquely crafted you. And one of the benefits, I think, this semester is I think you'll begin to develop a deep appreciation for how God has given you certain abilities and you'll begin to see clearly how you need to engage those abilities, those gifts that he has given you. Okay, secondly, uh, you'll learn to evaluate vocational and service opportunities with much greater clarity and confidence. In fact, in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Paul's saying that we're not to be foolish. Instead, we are to make the most of the time that we have. And what's interesting, this word time Paul uses here in the Greek is not the usual word for time, chronos, meaning to measure time, to control it or manage it. Instead, he uses a different word, kairos, which implies that life is a series of of appointed moments. I would say God-appointed moments that we get to interact with. Your adventure in life is found in a series of God-appointed moments where you face choices and you have to make decisions based upon how God has gifted you, your unique strengths and abilities. I can't tell you how many men I've talked to over the year who struggle with being able to see clearly and confidently how to move ahead in life, even though they're very gifted. I've had trouble seeing that. It's because most men, when it comes to their strengths and abilities, have a night blindness. We can't see the strengths in ourselves as quickly as maybe others can see them in us. And Servants by Design is going to help elevate some of those strengths. And one of the reasons we struggle is we don't understand that there are core strengths. We don't understand that there are uniquenesses in your life. And we don't understand that there is a best fit when it comes to how you are to engage with people and culture and society. And the men I end up talking to, they're very talented. They have great competencies. Uh, they have a lot of great capabilities, but they're not able to narrow it down to the great adventure which means you've got to say no to a lot of things in order to say yes to the right things. They tend to think everything is important. 
and they are unable to discriminate between that which is most important and the things which may be good to do, but they really aren't in line with their strengths and abilities. And sometimes they're forced into thinking that way because of culture. In fact, I have a friend back in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's a trial lawyer. And he's good at what he does. Uh, and, and he enjoys being a lawyer. He was the top of his law school. Uh, he's a brilliant, he's brilliant when it comes to research, and he's respected by all of his colleagues, but he hates his job. And he didn't understand why. He hated going to work every day. You see, in his profession, to reach the top, the pinnacle of his profession, it meant you had to be a trial lawyer, like Perry Mason. And as he began to investigate through Servants by Design his unique strengths and abilities, he began to see clearly, no, what he likes is the research. He hates the trial lawyer stuff. He's good at research, and he loves doing it. And so as he began to come to grips with the things that he was good at, he went to the principles of his firm. He said, this is what I'm learning about myself. And he laid it out before them, and he said, I have a proposal for you. Because they were pushing everybody to be trial lawyers. He said, I want to be the research guy here. I want to be the go-to guy. I do it better than anybody in the firm. Why can't you use me as a resource? And they said yes. And that little change caused him to love what he does. Servants by Design is going to address stuff like that and even more. Uh, recently I was discussing that very thing with another friend. His name was Greg. He was he was a great he was very successful as a professional. He was a businessman. Uh, I mean, to look at him, no one would ever guess that he's wrestled with his future and where he's headed because everything he does tends to turn to gold. Uh, he's successful. He's financially well off. But he's telling me things just don't feel right. I, I, I don't really like what I'm doing. I don't like kind of the direction I'm headed and so as he began thinking more deeply about that, we began to investigate his unique design. And Servants by Design began to elevate to the surface uh, who he was at his core, his hard wiring. And he began to see that he had lived most of his life in reactive mode, uh, responding to just the things that come at him. He wasn't proactive in light of his unique strengths and abilities. And so he decided, I'm going to step off that reactive treadmill and began to look objectively at the strengths he brings to the table, his unique design. And he discovered in his core what he loves doing is coaching. He loves taking young executives and showing them the lay of the land and improving their business skills and their relational skills. And as he went through service by design, that vision began to narrow and narrow and get clearer and clearer. And he moved off the reactive treadmill into a proactive pursuit of life in his business as the head of the business but became the coach in the business and allowed someone else to run the daily detail because of what he discovered about himself. Another friend of mine, uh, Tom Hill, he's a financial consultant at 48. He decided he's going to cut back to three days a week and live on less so he could focus on a parallel career to his financial consulting. And, and that career was mentoring men uh, 
in planting a church through his church. And he says, I get excited on those days. I understand my career is providing me an opportunity to then take time off and do that. And it's changed everything. Another guy was a physician, age 35. He had determined why God had called him to be a physician and why he was good at his uh, as being a physician and his excellent medical practice. But through Servants by Design, he discovered that practicing medicine wasn't his real passion. It provided a great living for him, but it wasn't his real passion. His real passion was leadership. And so he's presently volunteering, has his practice, but he's also volunteering for nonprofit organizations to help him in the area of leadership. He's more exciting than has ever been before. Now, each one of those guys was able to hone in and not be reactive to what comes at them, but be proactive in accepting and and honing what they need to be doing, and they discovered that through Servants by Design. And my hope for you is you'll gain some greater clarity and great and gain greater confidence about your unique design in this process. It's going to be a fun semester we're going to have. Third practical benefit. Uh, you will discover invaluable insights for connecting better relationally with all kinds of people. I mean, Servants by Design is going to introduce you to some unique behavioral differences that are found in six different personality styles. You're going to learn how those different personality styles perceive life, the lens through which they see life. You're going to understand what motivates each of those styles. You're going to understand what their needs and wants are. And in the process, you'll gain some valuable insight in how those styles connect relationally with people. And beyond that, you're going to gain insights in how you can better connect with people in the corporate world or as business associates and even family members. It's going to give you insight into that, people in your church. In fact, for the past three years working here at Horizon, um, I mean, I, I get to work with some great guys. I get to work with Kirby here, John Kirby. I get to work with uh, Chad Hoven. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that we're different kinds of people with different strengths and abilities. I mean, John, you're from Ohio, right? Grew up in Ohio. I mean, Chad is from Illinois. I, I'm from Mississippi. Geographical areas, we, have, we come from different backgrounds. And as I've been working here and I've got to know John, I've come to appreciate his love for people. He enjoys people. In fact, if you observe John on an average day, you'll find him either serving people, or if he's not doing that, he's organizing things related to helping people. Or if he's not doing that, he's engaging with people in crisis. And if he's not doing that, then he's exhorting the rest of the staff to engage with people and how we need to do it and how we don't need to do it. I mean, he is a lover of people, and he has a great compassion for people. And it doesn't, you have to be around John Long before you begin picking up on that. He loves to serve in that area. Now, now Chad is different than that. He, he, he's fun-loving, and Chad's enjoyable to be around. He, he, he loves to engage with ideas, and he's very intuitive when it comes to situations and people. I mean, Chad is lighthearted, he's fun-loving, he's engaging, and extremely creative. Um, I mean, I, I used to be the creative guy on our staff. I looked like a, a stump compared to Chad. I'm just amazed at what he comes up with. I mean, uh, Chad has got different strengths than John. 
Now, I'm different than both of them. I, I love a challenge. I like taking a hill. I tend to be looking for the next hill and the next hill. Uh, I'm not a detailed person. I, I, I like more broad stroke. Uh, I don't have the compassion John has, and I don't have the creativity Chad has. But I am results-oriented, and that's a strength. And what we have learned, and, and you'll learn, is that in working together and appreciating, appreciating one another's strengths, it creates a synergy on teams where you accomplish more than you could ever individually. I mean, I've grown to admire and respect John's compassion and his relational skills. I've grown to enjoy Chad's ability to read people, which he does well, and environments and his creativity. And I realize that I need men like that around me to make me better at what I do. And that's going to be one of the sidebar things that you'll begin to value as you go through Servants by Design. I mean, my point is this. By the grace of God, you're going to learn things about your own unique design uh, and how you work together with other people. And as you learn things about yourself, it naturally uh, filters out to others. And you begin to read other people uh, differently. And you begin to see how everything um, mixes together and you'll be more effective in what you do as you don't uh, move through life reactively but proactively, knowing that you do this and you do this best. And that's where the great adventure is found. Finally, you can experience new freedom to employ your unique design in more meaningful ways to you and to others. I want to close just by telling you a little bit of my story, personal story. Um, without the benefit of understanding some of the things we've been talking about, uh, through Servants by Design and other inventories, I'm not sure you would see me standing up here today. I'm not even sure I'd be in Cincinnati today. But because of those things, it's helped me craft a direction for my life that has opened the door to the great adventure that God has for me. Uh, since finishing seminary years and years ago, I've always had a teaching pastor position. I've always been an elder in a church. And uh, it was about 27 years ago I started by planting a church in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, with a couple other guys. Was, I was there 15 years, then 10 years in Colorado as a lead pastor. I've always had an upfront position in a church. When I began in Little Rock, I was not the lead pastor. I was a member of a team. We had another guy who was a lead pastor, and I was teamed up with two other guys that had great strengths and abilities. I learned a lot from them, and I enjoyed my role as a being a teaching pastor, and I grew into that. And over 10 to 15 years, I became very comfortable at fulfilling my role and doing what I needed to do. And at about year 10 to 12, it felt like, I was holding back something. I, I, I felt like that there was something stirring within me that at that point I just dismissed as uh, the selfish pursuits of my unique personality. I didn't pay a lot of attention to that. And as I began to investigate those feelings and the confusion that I was wrestling with, I took a number of inventories like Servants by Design and, and others, and they began to reveal some things in me I began wrestling with the big hairy questions. I mean, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And as I counseled with people who were a lot wiser than me, uh, they all offered advice that said, you, you need to do something 
uh, in addition to being that teaching pastor, I mean, there's something in you that feels like it needs to come out. And so that started my pursuit with family life and ended up uh, being a speaker with family life, speak on marriage and family things all over the country. I've spoken in hundreds of conferences. And uh, that seemed to satisfy for a while. But, but there came a time where I just felt like there was something else that needed to come out of me, that family life, that I couldn't express with family life. And so through a series of events, I ended up resigning my position in the church in Little Rock, which was hard to do. I mean, the church I had planted, I felt like I was leaving my baby, but I felt like it was something I needed to do. And what made it even harder is I didn't have a church I was going to. Now, I was 48, and I had uh, one in college, one getting ready to go to college, so it scared the snot out of me uh, resigning, but I felt like it was what God was prodding me to do. It's what I had to do. But at the same time I was scared, there was a sense of coming alive because I felt like God was asking me to be a lead pastor in a church. And as I thought about that, it began to stir something in me, some, something deep inside of me in my gut. And I knew it was the right thing to do, even though it was scary at the time to resign a secure position when kids were in college. And so I ended up going six months unemployed, which was a great time in my life if it wasn't for that little issue of money that kept cropping up. But it was during that time I, I continued to investigate and explore, and it was as if God was saying, Doug, I want you to take your unique uh, gifts and abilities, the things you've learned in 15 years of being a teaching pastor in a church, and I want you to take those across the country to a new place and begin to work there and watch me work in that process. And so we end up taking a position about six months later in a church in Colorado. And I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest decisions I ever made to resign and then pursue another position. I, I felt more alive than I'd ever felt in, in the past. I felt like this is where God has put me and crafted me to be. It, life was fun. And being in Colorado felt like it was magical and exciting almost at every point. Now, now here's the point. Understanding my unique giftedness gave me the strength in order to resign a position and pursue something else that was in line with my design. And I want you to know the inventory we're going to have you take, the servants by design, is going to help you get insights into how God has created you. And with those insights will be some things that are scary, but as you begin to work on those insights, you'll begin to feel a greater freedom than maybe you've ever felt before. You'll begin employing your unique design in some meaningful ways that can have impact. But before you can have that experience, uh, the practical benefits, we've got to explore some of the core concepts found in, in uh, Servants by Design, and that's what we're going to dig into next week. So this has been kind of introduction to the whole thing to whet your appetite. We're going to jump in next week. Uh, be sure at, we break now for anybody that's new and get into small groups. And we'd love, everybody really needs to be in a small group. And if you don't have a small group, I want to help you get in one so you can come up here and we'll get you plugged in. So thanks for coming, guys. We'll see you next week. 
And we're going to have a great time going through this over the next nine weeks.